Welcome to episode 49 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Pat. And I'm Eddie. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, right here on Paranormal Dads. Welcome, everybody, to another amazing episode we've prepared for you. And whether it's <laughs> weird equipment we have going on, uh, spare headphones, we always find a way to get set up to deliver a good show for you guys. So how you boys doing today? Doing well. Just anticipating Thanksgiving coming up fast and furious. Well, and you're fresh off a bad nap, you said, too. Yes, I was. I, I fell asleep watching a football game, and I woke up and saw the score, and my team was not doing well. So it is what dropping it is. The, they were it, dropping the ball in the sports ball. It is what it is. You know, football is the least of my worries these days. But, uh, you know. Probably, probably have a, but, a much better nap post-turkey coma, right? Yeah. So nothing beats a Thanksgiving Day nap. I need a little bit of uh, what is it, tryptophan or what? What's what's the turkey chemical? Yeah, tryptophan. Think, yeah, yeah. I need a little bit of that. A <laughs> just a cup of, of tryptophan, a nice <laughs> warm <laughs> cup of just a warm cup of tryptophan. Just drink <laughs> it on down. Yeah. What you drinking, Dad? Tryptophan, son. <laughs> glug glug glug. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving is not even a week away. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, going to be weird this year. It's just going to be pretty much my family. Um, I do have a, a sister-in-law coming in from out of town uh, with a very small uh, group. Uh, there's just the three of them, and I'm not even sure if all three of them are coming. So uh, it'll be a small affair, but we'll do what we can out of it. Well, in preparation for Turkey Day, I was I found myself sipping my morning coffee this morning watching the Food Network trying to get ideas for new recipes and stuffing and turkey. And, the, you know, that uh, Giada that's on the Food Network, Giada De Laurentiis, if you guys know. Yeah. Yeah, I discovered I have a bit of a crush on her. And, and as the show was going on, I just found myself more and more into it. And then I was like, well, is it her or is it the food? I wasn't sure which I was more in love with. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. As, as I was saying a minute ago, since our last uh, podcast – uh, Eddie and I have both moved into new homes, so lots lots transpired in recent weeks. And uh, how the new dude's treating you, Eddie? Oh man, so this house is fits the fits the new family dynamic perfectly. Honestly, uh, much it's a it's a mite smaller than than the last place, but honestly, the last place was probably a little too big um, with how we were all setting up to be at this point. So great layout, great feel to the house. Like the, my daughters have all said, like it just feels cozy and fun and they love it quite a bit. So yeah, it's good. We're still kind of getting settled in. You know how unpacking goes. It's like you get the initial, this was what keeps us alive level. And then over time you kind of work down the other stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, love it quite a bit. Um, kind of miss the squatchy. We have a pretty big backyard, but it's more of like a big green space with with a little sprinkling of trees, and not this like dense squatchy forest behind right. like behind my house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not quite the same, but it's squatchy light, as I would say. <laughs> it's <laughs> diet diet squatchy diet squatchy, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's a great place. Uh, how about you, Andy? Yeah, I'm loving it here. I, I absolutely love my my new backyard. I I actually, you guys know this, but I, I've on Amazon I bought a seven foot tall black silhouette of a Bigfoot, and I assembled it and I put it in my backyard back by the trees. Funny part is the joke's kind of on me because every time I open up my curtains to let my dog out back there, I'm startled for just a second <laughs> because I think a, I think somebody's in my backyard. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's just Bigfoot. When you said that, I laughed out loud. I pictured you opening the goo. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, it's just my Bigfoot. Oh. So, you, so you got that on Amazon. What was that like coming shipped to, shipped to you? Did, it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad because it came in like five different parts and you just oh, okay. kind of have to, yeah, you know, yeah. screw the nuts. Yeah, screw the required. 
That's right. That's right. But my, my new house is, is great. It, it feels cozy. It feels like home. I will say I have had some paranormal activity going on uh, since I moved in. There was one day, speaking of naps, Pat, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago I was, I was taking a nap, and I was, the only, I was the only one home, and I was awoken by a voice in my hallway, a female voice, going, hello, hello. And I bolted upright in bed. And, and my, my, you know, I was startled. My first thought was maybe my mom or sister had let themselves in with a spare key. So I hop out of bed and I, you know, pop my head out into the hallway. And sure enough, nobody's home. Uh, both, both my pets, my dog and my cat heard it too. And uh, they, they kind of, you know, uh, stuck their head up out of a dead sleep and, and were, looked a little concerned as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we got that going on. And then just uh, last week, actually a week ago today, I was in the kitchen baking a unicorn cake naturally oh, with with as my one does. as one does and and my 6-year-old daughter Sky and her little friend were over and we were baking a unicorn cake suddenly in that same hallway we hear a loud thud it was almost like a crashing noise you know both both girls look rather alarmed and they're like you know dad what was that and i said i i, I don't know and and i looked and both pets were laying on the couch virtually asleep and so again i you know, stuck my head into that hallway and didn't see anything amiss. Nothing had fallen out of a closet or anything. So it's it's been kind of a weird uh, combination of noises and unexplained happenings. Yeah, and and yet at the same time, the place feels really good and positive and and cozy. So I just figure, you know, if the place comes with a resident ghost, that's fine by me. My last place wasn't haunted, so it's nice to be back in a place that has some weird stuff going on again. <laughs> Yeah. The only thuds you hear in my house are when I wake up from a bad nap and I trip over <laughs> my feet when I'm getting out of the recliner. Yeah. Pat gets kind of squatchy when he's tired. <laughs> or when the or when the Huskers are losing and Pat's just throwing holes in the drywall. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's gotten to the point now where it's just like, oh, you know, what? <laughs> it's been 20 years that they've been a bad team. and What do you do? You know, yeah. You, you know. Nothing you can do. Tune in and have fun with it, I guess. Um, I was wondering if we haven't uh, moved into a potentially haunted situation in my new home as well. Uh, the jury's still out. We'll see. Uh, the girls have said that they've felt things here and there, um, pr- primarily Daphne, but nothing definitive as a voice yet. So we'll uh, stay tuned for the updates from Casa del Fossler to see if there's any ghosts. Ghosts around here <laughs> keep us posted buddy that could be a recent sighting for a future episode i'll tell you what i'm hoping at this point <laughs> as candles levitate behind me oh what? <laughs> certainly is odd uh well with that without further ado should we dive right into it guys with uh recent sightings here on episode 49 let's do got it my parano- got my paranormal goggles on let's dive Okay, so recent sightings. We are. Uh, I've got, I've got a twofer for you guys today. Actually, two two quick ones, um, but they're going to be covering some of our favorite paranormal topics. So um, the first one is uh, takes place in Chicago, not not too very far from our our hometown. Right. We're going to. Uh, O'Hare International Airport, and there's a lady who works out there and leaving work one night uh, in September. She was leaving the U.S. Postal Service sorting facility at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport and encountered a being that sounds suspiciously like the Mothman. I've heard this, I think. Yeah, so she uh, she was walking alone to her car around 11 o'clock on a Thursday, September 24th, and she saw something standing at the far end of the parking lot where she normally parks. And uh, the first thing she thought was it was a, a tall person with uh, wearing a, a long coat, which is kind of weird in September in Chicago. It's yeah. pretty warm. Um but as she got closer to our car and unlocked it, it caused her headlights to come on. And the headlights illuminated the person that was standing like 20 to 25 feet in front of her. And they turned around and what she saw was a red-eyed creature with what appeared, and the coat 
what appeared to be a coat was actually a pair of wings. And Ooh. so the wings spread out. And at first, um, she thought it was some kind of a very large bird, but this lady stands about five foot four. And she said this thing was two feet taller than her. And you don't normally see birds that big around, you know, that part. You, I don't think you, no, I don't (laughs) think you see that birds that big unless you got an ostrich at the zoo or an emu in Australia, right? Or it's Larry Bird. Basketball. <laughs> That's the only oh, great. But you, you'd find him in Boston, right, Pat? You were, yeah. The Celtic, not yeah. in Chicago. Look at me. I can't do things right. I can't sport ball right. <laughs> says the guy wearing. Says the guy wearing a soccer hat. Yeah. <laughs> right, poser. <laughs> so, so this is the weird thing. It's this thing starts making a chirping sound, and I'm not even going to try to attempt it. But it's like oh, a chirping sound. Pat, please do it for the blooper reel. If nothing else. <laughs> A chirping sound, and a it's like a half chirp, half click. So it's like there, there, there you go. There's your <laughs> there's perfect. Your I love it. Perfect. Um, so it was making that sound, and then it made a screech and took off running towards her, and it got like within ten feet of her, and she kind of ducked down behind the car door, which was by this time open, and then. Uh, dove into the car and this thing went flying over her um, and she's just screaming hysterically she climbs into the car locks the doors um, turns the car on um, and took off across the parking lot and flew down you know the the access road to get out of the complex um, she said she didn't look back um, she got home and told her husband about it who also works at the same postal sorting facility. And he said that there have been numerous reports of something similar um, in the neighborhood of O'Hara. And it's like, oh, by the way, yeah, this is this is a common thing. So um, that's scary stuff, so, yeah, man. That's, that's weird. Stuff. That's, you know, in Chicago, the, the Chicago area is becoming known as a as a Mothman hotbed in recent years, it's it's quite remarkable how many sightings are coming out of that out of that city. And you know they don't have birds that large. They may have cranes, they may have uh, you know herons, things like that, but nothing that stands close to seven feet tall. Yeah. And and even even if you were to shine a you know a headlight on a bird, you might get a little bit of eye shine, but you wouldn't get glowing red eyes. Not like that. Yeah, this was no big bird from Sesame Street. This no. Thing, it also had she she guesstimated the wingspan was like ten to twelve feet, which is hmm, would probably be about right for a seven foot creature that flew. You know, it'd need a big wingspan to lift it off the ground. But uh, but yeah, you, you were talking about Chicago having a lot of sights. Um, there's there was another encounter at O'Hare reported recently. Uh, the witnesses in those incidents said they heard a sound like screeching brakes prior to their sightings. And, and this person also described the sound that it made um, as it flew over her kind of sounded like car brakes, you know, coming to a screech. So, um, yeah, that, that would be some creepy stuff. There's also been um, sightings around. It's the Hedgewick Park portion of Chicago uh, it's the um, it's the northern northerly end of the the city. So, um, and and Lake Michigan itself, I guess there's been Mothman sightings in every state that borders Lake Michigan. So you know maybe there's there's something about Lake Michigan that attracts our friend the Mothman. So. You know, I was in I was in Chicago in 2013. It's it's a beautiful city, crazy big. Um, you know, but yeah, right there on Lake Michigan, I mean, you look out over Lake Michigan, it feels more like an ocean. I mean, obviously for anyone who's been near a great lake and, you know, the surrounding areas of that you would think might provide enough wilderness, uh, you know, for some wildlife and, and big birds like that. But this is something else. And, you know, it just goes to show next time you're in Chicago, it's never just a trench coat. (laughs) You got yourself a 10 foot wingspan is what that is, right? Always look twice. Yeah. Keep your your head on a swivel. That's so weird. I mean, you typically, I mean, I mean, Point Pleasant was where that whole story kind of originated, right? With Mothman, right? right. Virginia, West Virginia. West Virginia, and uh, 
you know, nothing really new until fairly recently with this. And wasn't there one recently in downtown Chicago where they saw something flying as well? Yeah, I think someone snapped a picture of it. I've seen pictures circulating. You know, you can kind of see some of the buildings in the foreground and, and yeah. the thing flying around up in the air. So, uh, person shaped bird man. Yeah. Well, I think what also, you know, what also is, is going to be interesting, you know, in, in coming years as drones become more and more, uh, accessible. Now, I don't know if you can fly them in city limits, but with, with so many drones recording video footage in the air, you would think it would up the chances of maybe catching some up close and personal Mothman evidence and, uh, you know, so and then the other thing is, when are they going to invent these jetpacks for for <laughs> average Joes like us? The next time you see a Mothman in Chicago, throw on your jetpack, fly towards it, and wrestle that guy to the ground, right? Ooh, I, like I just that. recently read a story about jetpacks or saw it on the news, and it's kind of interesting. The jetpack was actually kind of developed in the early '60s, and people they were start, already starting to test jetpacks the president even was invited into a, a military presentation to to watch soldiers in action on jetpacks and you know it's just something i guess was that was never really feasible um but uh you know in the 70s a lot of tv shows featured guys flying around on these jetpacks and you see it from time to time i think there was one in the super bowl recently you know within the past 10 20 years or so but uh yeah, I'd love to get a jetpack. That'd be cool. Just it one step closer. Christmas lights so much easier. Ooh, <laughs> you, you there's that. Right up there. Become one step closer to becoming Boba Fett, Pat. That's, That's the right. plan. <laughs> Just want to fly around and fix my problems. <laughs> go, go fix my baby. Help my baby Yoda. I'll be <laughs> there in no minutes. So I got one more for you. This time <laughs> we're going to go across the pond over to Scotland. Oh, we're going to check on Nessie, the Loch Ness yeah, monster. Pat's favorite. Yeah, tourist claims that he spotted the Loch Ness monster while on a break with his family. And he didn't realize it until he looked back at his holiday snapshots when he got home. Um, so the picture is, you know, your typical Loch Ness monster picture. There's something in the water and it's pretty distant and it's pretty dark and you can't really tell what it could be, but... It's still interesting to uh, get another Nessie sighting in the books. This was actually the seventh sighting of the Loch Ness Monster in 2020. I was going to say, yeah, she's uh, she's having a busy year this year. More sightings, uh, I believe, this year and last year than, than in recent decades. So the sixth and the seventh one were actually photographs that, that people took. The first through the fifth were like... Um, you know, a uh, closed circuit TV camera kind of a thing, you know, that, okay. you know, just cameras that are constantly running on the lake and, and people happen to see it. Actually, I think that it's, it's some kind of a web camera project where they have cameras trained on the lock and people will sit there and watch for things and they'll report if they see the Loch Ness monster swim by the camera. So, um, so the, the, the photo was taken near a, place called Point Claire at uh, two in the afternoon on Saturday, August 29th. And um, like I said, it just basically features just kind of this dark look, looking object. It, I, it's real hard to even, you know, judge how far out this thing could be, but it's probably a good hundred yards. So it's, it's not the clearest photo you'll ever right. see. Um, but Earlier this year, the uh, the fire there were, the sixth sighting was one taken by a fireman. Uh, he's actually kind of like a forestry worker, uh, and um, he he's lived around the lock all his life. And he said he didn't believe in the Loch Ness monster um, until he and his fellow firefighters were baffled by a twelve foot long creature that he photographed on his mobile phone. Um, it. Uh, it occurred on July 8th, so this past summer, when he was driving just outside Fort Augustus, and he glanced down at the water 200 feet below and, and saw something uh, out in front of a couple of kayakers. Uh, it was about 100 yards ahead of him. And what at first he thought it was a big rock, and, and he just kind of uh, kept driving, but then he realized the rock 
was not where it was before and it hmm. moved on. It was moving on. So he, he thought better to go ahead and stop the car and take a picture and, and look. And, and he was now well ahead of the, the kayakers. He was probably about 400 yards in front of the kayakers. So he was making pretty good time across the lake. So, um, yeah. So Nessie alive and well in Loch Ness. <laughs> poking her head out of the water just to just to see what the heck's going on in 2020 and then she went back down <laughs> and then she went back exactly down. like ah forget about it <laughs> i love this too though because we had even said a few episodes back that that there wasn't a whole lot new happening with loch ness it seemed yeah. like yeah. despite you know yeah apparently the the legend is alive and well and and uh good on you nessie <laughs> I'm, I'm proud good. of her. Even Thanks. though the doctor's photo was a big, big, big fake and broke my heart, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, that that original. Pat's referring to the original famous black and white photo of Loch Ness that comes to mind when you think of that creature. And yep. yeah, it turned turned out it was a fake. But uh, but there's been a lot of credible ones since then. And uh, thanks for the uh, double header recent sighting there, Pat. You betcha, man. Double servings, getting ready for Thanksgiving. It's time for pop, culture, and the paranormal. So guys, much like with Pat, I'm serving up double portions as well. Double portions? On pop and paranormal. We're gluttons. I'm already stuffed. So one, hope you kids save room, <laughs> um, because we're going to be discussing two things on pop and culture and the paranormal, and one is happy, and the other one is sad. But we're going to discuss the sad one first, because it's 2020, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, in the realm of pop culture and the paranormal, have either of you, Pat or Andy, or listeners... Raise your hand up if this, if you know what I'm talking about. Have either of you heard of the Superman curse? That's a new one for me. What, what about you, Pat? I think I've heard of this. I don't remember the details, though. There is a what I will call like an urban legend, myth, whatever, that has circulated around um, comic books and comic book creators and sto- people, your comic book films. That there is a curse associated to basically anybody involved in the telling of a Superman story. Okay. Um, everything from the movies to the cartoons back in the day, even unto the comics, it seems like there is a certain particular um, stroke of air quotes bad luck that befalls some of the people, a lot of the people, and not even, you know, like you know, the, the janitor or the key grip. We're talking about people who bore the name Superman or right. people involved in actors. Right. And so with uh, touching on that, I wanted to, and this is only a few, this is not everybody. Cause there's apparently a lot of people. And this is where in some cases you could be looking at, like you're looking at anything that bad happened to anybody and said that that's part of the curse. But I highlighted some of the more like um, notable um, things that happened with these particular people. Uh, so we'll just go down the list here and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. So Lee Quigley, who at one point played the baby version of Superman, uh, I believe in the film, uh, uh, died at an early age of sadly only 14 from drug abuse. Whoa. That's so would this be the Christopher Reeve Superman. I believe so. Yes, okay. Lee Quigley is playing the playing the infant Superman. Right. Uh, George Reeves uh, from the original black and white um, TV show back in the what the sixties or maybe in the fifties. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like the fifties. Uh, getting into the yeah, I don't think early sixties yeah. maybe. Um, died of an apparent suicide, which is still uh, has sort of shrouded in mystery because his fingerprints weren't found on the gun. And a lot of other things where it's reeks of foul play, mm. but um, apparent suicide with George Reeves. Um, a lot of people who are our age, around our age, uh, quote unquote, our Superman, Christopher Reeve, uh, as a lot of people know, but maybe you don't, uh, 
was involved in a horse riding accident, left paralyzed from that and eventually died years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margot Kidder, who played Lois Lane with Christopher Reeve, uh, subsequently, you know, over time began to uh, suffer a mental breakdown and eventually took her own life. Wow. Uh, Richard Pryor, a uh, famous comedian, also in Superman, <laughs> widely recognized as one of the best Superman movies, Superman 3. Uh, no, it's it's not great. Um, uh, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis down the line, not too short, not too long after that, and then subsequently died later uh, from a heart attack. Dana Reeve, who is uh, Christopher Reeve's widow, got lung cancer despite never having had smoked and passed away at only 44 years old. Uh, mm. And last, lastly, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, creators of the original character of Superman, um, granted didn't necessarily befall like um, health tragedy, but the story behind them and how they ended up selling the rights of Superman to DC Comics and subsequently the movies – they these guys had to go to war every time just to get even the tiniest bit of compensation for their creation and so for them it was a definitely kind of a mixed blessing because they were like we created superman and it was a giant pain in the booty for them to get like you know frankly the money that they earned by creating that character but um That's just the tip of the iceberg. There's quite a few more uh, people who were involved with the telling of Superman, even down to the Superman, the the uh, the, uh, the Max Fleischer cartoons of Superman, the old 1920s ones. Um, uh, tragedy even involved with some of those. So a lot of people have said there is no such thing as a Superman curse. It's just that so many people have been involved with making Superman stories. Yeah, yeah. The, that the radius is so big, you're going to land on that. But other people have been like, there's still quite a bit of weird yeah. stuff going on. Well, it kind of sound, sounds like the curse spreads to anyone who gets near it, kind of like a certain virus we've all come accustomed to. Um, you know, it, it yeah, anyone affiliated with it is afflicted and, and rubs off the bad juju on friends and family and coworkers, right? Yeah. You, you know, but you, you hear this. Uh, what was that? Um, might have been the exorcist i'm thinking what's it what was the other big movie from the from the 70s or 80s the paranormal movie uh poltergeist poltergeist there was a curse with poltergeist where everyone associated with the filming of that had terrible things happen to them and then we've even covered in recent uh or past episodes rather uh the curse of james dean's car yep uh it was a as a spider it was a sports car and anyone who drove it uh got spare parts from it salvaged it you know it was just tragedy after tragedy yeah. and uh so yeah it, it it does make you wonder you know like you said eddie you could take the approach of well there's just a lot of people involved everyone eventually dies you know it's it's just you know it's happenstance but at the very least it does make you wonder right oh man I mean, up until the point where the newer actors who were involved with Superman stories, uh, Brandon Routh uh, from Superman Returns, uh, down to Henry Cavill, uh, who's also on a show called The Witcher on Netflix. It's pretty fun. You should watch it, kids, if you haven't. Talk about paranormal. And um, But both of them have, have said, like, oh, you know, we don't, you know, people have asked them, hey, are you scared of this thing? And they're like, well, you know, we're all right. We don't, we don't really you know, subscribe to that, which is good for them because it would keep them from doing those things. But uh, so much so that people have, you know, asked them those things. So, yeah, it's it's certainly something to bear in mind, you know, like, I don't know, some good luck. Carry some stage with you when you when you film Superman stories. How would you like to be those guys just being constantly reminded that, oh, by the way, has anything horrible happened to you recently? Exactly. Tell me if it does. Exactly. Well, and that's the problem too. Like you stub your toe, and you're like, "It's the curse. It's Superman. It's on you. Get off." You go to the doctor. What? What brings you in today? Superman. Superman's why I'm here. You got the Superman curse. It's all over me. Uh, it's tiny little S's all over your chest. Oh, like chicken pox. You do, you do have it. The, the super pox. Um, but yeah, there's there's that uh, little nugget there. And anyone interested in that, you can certainly look that up. There's a lot of like deep dives, especially into the Christopher, uh, not Christopher, sorry, the uh, George Reeves story because his suicide was um really 
to this day, some people still allege that there was some foul play, some foul play afoot. See, some foul play. Yeah, you see. So, no fingerprints. Exactly. No fingerprints on the gun. Which, what a rookie move! If you're going to actually kill somebody and (laughs) try to frame them, did you get his fingerprints on the gun? I knew I forgot something. I forgot something. Um, in part two of our paranormal. Pop culture. So you got us nice. You got us nice and depressed. Now you're going to lift our spirits, right? Exactly. First, I bring you down. Now I'm going to bring you up. Uh, Thanksgiving is often not regarded as a paranormal infused holiday. You know, you got Halloween. Halloween is all paranormal. Yeah. Even Christmas, on some level, has some cool paranormal stuff going on with it. You know. Yeah, like a, like a Christmas Carol has some of those ghostly undertones, right? Exactly. You know, um, but Santa you get Claus into coming down Santa the Claus, you know, for, for those of you that like, Santa. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, Santa's shadow, the ever, the ever loving Krampus. If you're bad, he's coming for you instead. Kids. <laughs> Even the new year's scary. Cause once those resolutions fall by the wayside, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of terrifying too. So, well, yeah, talk about, you know, paranormal putting out your, your hopes for the new year into the ether. <laughs> um, 2020, you, you, what a, you, you what found a something, you found something scary related to, to Thanksgiving though, huh? Not so much scary, although a little bit kind of, it, start, it starts to build itself up as a little creepy, perhaps. Uh, there is a movie. That I would recommend for people and families. Uh, if you've got children, they would love this. It's, it's totally family appropriate. It is called Turkey Hollow. And it is a Thanksgiving movie that features a young, well, a family who is uh, going through a, a, a divorce. It's the dad and his two, two kids. And they go to a small town uh, in a rural part of the country called Turkey Hollow. And they go there as kind of a way to establish like new tra- new family traditions and kind of just kind of, you know, reboot their lives a little bit. And when they come to Turkey Hollow, there is the legend of the howling hoodoo, which is <laughs> just outside the forest of their aunt's house that they're staying with, uh, their, their great aunt's house. And the kids, of course, being good, you know, kids in a paranormal story, decide to go investigate in the forest to find out what the howling hoodoo is. And I will give a little spoilery here thing. They stumble across who they believe to be the howling hoodoo is. And it's not a, they, they are monsters, but they're good friendly monsters. Uh, by the, there's four of them by the name of Squonk, Zorp, Burble and thring. <laughs> That's the noises our stomachs make after we eat mashed potatoes, <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. The gurgling and burbling of your guts. Um, but the idea is these, these children go into the forest, find these creatures, and adventure ensues. And so uh, I can't recommend it enough for families. It's on Amazon. Uh, I don't think Prime, but it's like three bucks. Get your kids a cool Thanksgiving movie. It's COVID, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> We're bored. Um, but it's called Turkey Hollow, done by the Jim Henson Company, and uh, super fun. Got a lot of heart to it. A little silly, but I could we could all use a little silly right now. Who do you think took all the gravy? <laughs> the howling hoodoo. <laughs> Like who ate all my sweet corn? <laughs> my my stuffing, it's gone. Well, we've had two scoops of uh, recent sightings. We've had two scoops of pop culture. Now I got one heaping, steaming pile of main mystery <laughs> with extra monster sauce. Ooh, coming up next. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> okay, boys. Main mystery, I when I moved into my new house, I, I treated myself by, I, I got an online purchase of this huge, it's like three foot wide by two foot high poster that I framed, and it's hanging right right by me, right right by me, I'm looking at it right now. It's called Folklore and Supernatural Phenomena of the United States, and it has a giant map of the United States. And in each state, it has a like a silhouetted picture of a different monster. I see a couple Bigfoots. I see a couple aliens. I see a couple sea monsters in various parts of the world. And each uh, image 
correlates to a number. And on the side, they have kind of like a numbered key. goes up to 65, actually. And it, it says what each monster is and what state they originate from. So I'm looking through this, and I, I recognize a lot of the, the heavy hitters. I see Roswell. I see... I see Mothman in West Virginia. I see the Fresno Nightcrawler out in California. One popped up, and I see this big, huge picture of, of what looks like a dragon in Iowa. And I thought, number 44, what is that? So I go to the key, number 44. It said, dragons in Burlington, Iowa. And I had never heard of this before. Uh, have you guys heard of the, the Burlington dragon? If it's the story, I think it is. I think I have. I've never heard of this. Well, and I know we've covered briefly covered dragons. It may have been a recent sighting, and that was yeah, that was me. <laughs> several episodes passed with Eddie seeing a dragon-like thing in the skies of Millard near Omaha. And it sounds crazy, and I know it sounds bonkers, but anyway. But you well, know what you saw? I know what I saw. I saw it in the sky, clear as day, blocked out the sun. <laughs> I done seen it with both my eyes. Both my eyes, both. <laughs> my glass eye and my good one too. I stood there and I shook my fist at it. No <laughs> way. I cursed it. I threw the Superman curse at it. <laughs> well, I, I looked it up, guys. This is this is kind of weird. And I, let's see. So I I had to actually dig deep because at first, for some reason, I was googling. Uh, I was searching for Davenport Dragon, and I, I believe. Burlington is right near Davenport, Iowa. I think it's an area there that, that that's called the Quad Cities. I don't know what the other two parts of the Quad are, but uh, said the Davenport Dragon. I pictured it was a dragon made of a bunch of couches. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, and the funny thing is, every time I would search Davenport Dragons, the only thing that came up was the Dragon Palace Chinese place, which apparently Ooh. people love in those parts. So uh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the dragons we're talking about do not reside in a palace, maybe a cave if they're lucky. Hmm. Uh, but these dragons are from Burlington. And, and so here comes the article, which read, A number of Burlington, Iowa residents have reported seeing several Iowa dragons flying over their city in recent years. Two witnesses described it as a brown-skinned, as they describe it as brown-skinned, with a long snake-like body and 15-foot bat-like wings. Its head was shaped like a seahorse, and it had skinny a skinny tail flowing behind it. Uh, they watched the dragon slither through the air until it flew high up into the sky. And this was at nighttime, by the way. The Bedford Times Independent in Bedford, Iowa, in August 11, 1887, reported a man named Lee Quarter... Uh, who encountered a flying serpent, serpent writhing and twisting with protruding eyes and a forked tongue. It had great scales which glistened in the sunlight, covering its huge body, which appeared to be flat and nearly a foot in width. The beast seemed to fly and land with a, with a thud in Mr. Quarter's cornfield. They watched it with awe and astonishment as eventually the dragon returned to the sky. In October 1890, Independence, Iowa, was home to several reports of a monster with wings, a monstrous head with horns, uh, a mouth like an alligator's. The creature also appeared green in color and covered with scales. So, what do you guys make of that? Dragons over Iowa. Well, that's not the story I was thinking of. Because I think the... There's some kind of a paranormal thing going on. It may have been a ghost thing or something, but it was closer to Des Moines. So uh, that wasn't the, the the story I was thinking of. But it seems to me, weren't there Thunderbirds sightings in like Illinois or Chicago or, you know, kind of in that neck of the woods? Yeah, we've, we've covered uh, Thunderbird sightings in Illinois. La- I think it was Lawndale, Illinois before. And yeah, it's, I mean, I, you know, I think uh, the Quad Cities is in the eastern part of Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. So you're, you're getting closer to Illinois with the Thunderbird sightings. Yeah, you're basically um, right on the border with it. Yeah. Now, this, this article uh, was written and, um, apparently, like in the comment section or like in a little follow-up, there's a, re- a resident who chimed in with some additional information. Uh, the, the username went by the name Zeus, Z-E-U-Z. And, and this person said, 
Uh, I live in Iowa, too, in Grand Mound. Uh, we see dragons like that all the time. <laughs> they, yeah, they normally uh, come in the harvest time when the moon is really big and red. They often take cows from my neighbor's pasture. I myself have spotted these dragons six different times, once in a group of three. Uh, once I saw a large blue one with four wings. Uh, otherwise, they look just like you, the one that you described. So this, this, so there's different genres, different colors, different subspecies. I mean, this gets really strange. If this guy is telling the truth, which, I mean, I guess you can't make a blanket statement necessarily, but usually, if you have some jack wagon who's just pulling a prank, you know, you or or maybe somebody who is delusional or mentally ill. Uh, you know, you would expect to find, you know, some hints of sarcasm, some some typos, misspelling, some punctuation problems. This was actually really well written, and it looks very coherent. It doesn't appear like this person is lying, but he says, yeah, he's seen him six different times, once in a group of three, four wings. That's that's new. The, yeah, I mean... I mean, all of us, all three of us and you listening, we've all, all, a lot of us have seen something that for at the moment of our seeing it, we're like, I can't make sense of this. I don't know. I know what I'm seeing. I know I'm not losing my mind. I mean, I'm, so far I haven't gone crazy. It's up for debate for you and me, Andy. But Pat's probably <laughs> the sanest among us. Right. And, and when you see something like that, everything in your brain starts to try to make sense of it. So if you start seeing what sounds like a giant snake in the sky slithering around, and I was going to say, it's so funny, because if you were to tell people to imagine a dragon, hey, hey, plug for the band, imagine dragons. <laughs> if you tell people to pl- to imagine dragons, I, I, I certainly wouldn't have come up with a seahorse-like shape. Um, and then that one guy described what sounded like a snake. Mm-hmm. slithering through the sky. I mean, because I, I mean, the word slithering, you know, conjures up images of this undulating side to side motion. That's how snakes move. You know, that's right. their, that's their, that's their, you know, locomotive means. That's how they move. Um, birds don't move like that. Um, no. You know, birds might bob their head a little bit depending on the, on the species, but it, it's, it's certainly odd. Now, you know, there are lar- large birds. Uh, there's, you know, California condors. There's Andean condors, some of the largest flying uh, creatures in the in the world. But they're way further out west. You know, you're talking out near California. You have uh, birds, you know, known as a, you know, golden eagle. And those are in various parts of the United States, but they're not very common, uh, you know, in Nebraska and east of Nebraska in Iowa. So that you can almost rule that out as being likely. There's something called a harpy eagle, which is they're kind of weird looking actually. They're these these eagles that actually have kind of pointed like a pointed crest on each side of it, you know, almost like they look like large ears. And but but I'm out of Jurassic Park like one of those dinosaurs with kind of the ridges on their their the top of their heads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's exa- exactly right, Pat. But harpy eagles are they don't they don't come up this far north. They're they're more in Central and South America. Now there are pelicans. Uh, the, actually, the American white pelican is the the biggest bird in Iowa. I mean, they can weigh up to twenty pounds each. They have a nine foot wingspan, but pelicans <laughs> pelicans don't have a long tail. Uh, they they they. Uh, you know they're all white, and and it sounds like a lot of the reports of these uh, Burlington dragons are brown and and gray and black. They're not white, so and you can rule it. COVID at the grocery store, they're out of turkeys, so I'm having pelican for Thanksgiving this year. Yeah, old twenty pounder. Get a good twenty pounder. Big pelican beak on this table. You're like, <laughs> can I did have- what I could? Ooh, you gonna eat that beak? <laughs> oh, oh, some beak meat. Well, and. Here's a couple of my theories. I, you know, the, the, the sighting that, that we just talked about occurred at nighttime. And so if these, if these creatures are in fact, uh, nocturnal, you know, could, could this be a flesh and blood creature that has avoided detection by the masses because they only come out at night and, you know, a dark creature against the dark background of the sky, you're not going to see it very easily. Um, 
The other thing that I'll that I'll throw out there for you guys to to think about, you know, the 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 serpentine tail, the serpentine tail that's said to drag behind these creatures as they're flying in the sky. You know, storks and cranes do kind of tuck their legs directly back behind them as they're flying through the sky. I'm not convinced that could account for any kind of a tail-like structure, let alone on the scale that these people are saying. But, you know, you know, storks and cranes do have long feet that dangle behind them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it defies logic, certainly. And we're talking Iowa. We're also, I mean, rural Iowa, but I mean, flat, not a lot of places to hide. Um, probably, I'm, and I hate to say probably, but as much as I've found out about subterranean caves, I'm basically convinced that there's subterranean caves everywhere. And that, you know, maybe a dragon-like creature could find something to go hide in like that. But, I mean, you've got nowhere to really hide. So if people are seeing this thing in the open sky like that, it's a lot of big openness to see. Well, then, you know... Go go ahead, Pat. Sorry. It, it's always so uh, interesting. That it really gets your imagination going, too, when you have people like like that uh, little eyewitness report you came up with, Andy, of this guy who claims to have seen it, what, six times? Yeah. You know, it's it. They, they sound like they're fairly lucid, um, but uh, it, it just makes you think. What if what if, what this guy is saying is true? You know, what if right. we see him here all the time? What what does that you know? What does Fair. that mean? Yeah, the notion of seeing dragons at all, but the also the other side of it of seeing a dragon so much that you're used to it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, there he is again, it, stealing it, stealing a cow. You know, in, in your your first reaction is probably one of doubt and one of skepticism, but then it, you also kind of think. What if that's true? You know, how how cool is that? Or how fun is that? Or it, it's a lot more fun to believe in something like that, especially in times like this when, when you know, things are just kind of, uh, you just go through the day-to-day. And it's just fun to kind of think there there are weird things out there that we we can't explain, and they're happening all around us and sometimes closer than we think. Right. Well, and dragons are nothing new. I mean, you're talking about a very ancient beast. Um, you know, the two continents that you primarily think of when you think of uh, dragon legends and lore is Asia. You know, China, uh, dragons are uh, very influential in Chinese culture, Korea, Japan. And then you have the European dragons as well. A lot of reports of dragons from England. There's even a dragon on the, the Welsh flag, I mean, in, yep. in Wales, they're, they're known for uh, a love of dragons. and But I don't know. I mean, these reports of, of Iowa dragons go back to the 1800s, and I, uh, I think that people back then might be less inclined to pull a hoax as opposed to today's people. Because today, if you pull a hoax and get famous for it, you're going to be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's easier to go viral in today's world than it was back then. So well, and back then, if they thought you were too crazy, you were getting hauled away. Right. You weren't gonna, you weren't gonna get left alone. They were like, put him in a in a house with bars on it. <laughs> Don't let him out. Uh, if you were too far out there, I mean, either you were shunned by the town, or in a lot of cases, you were locked away in an asylum. So That's even right. if you saw crazy things, you were like, "Don't don't be telling anybody what you saw." <laughs> get disappeared. <laughs> get disappeared. Make so big I, rock and little rocks. I just realized I kind of lied when I said I only had one main mystery. So I guess we're going two, two, two. Yeah. yeah. I I forgot there was a there was a tangent story to this. So there you go. You get you get a double dose in all three segments today, we people. Can, like, There's split up the show real creatively and make it two half hour episodes. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. This is just like Oliver Twist. Instead of when we go up and say more, we don't go no. We say yes, and you're like, Lisa. <laughs> Can I have some more paranormal dads? Well, it's like, perfect yes! for the it's perfect for our Thanksgiving episode though cuz it's it's big and it's bold and there's double helpings of everything. But as I was doing some of this research on Iowa dragons, I stumbled across a report from a town called Van Meter and that's about 186 miles by car from Burlington. So you're talking just a 3-hour drive and this is a story, believe it or not, it's almost more bizarre. 
That's uh, a let's... good thing to say, by the way. <laughs> just a three-hour drive. <laughs> it's just a stone throw as far as a crow flies. Who <laughs> um, is stone throwing crows? <laughs> so, let's see. This is, I believe this came from the Des Moines Register. Don't quote me on that. The story goes like this. Over a series of nights in the fall of 1903, uh, several respected and prominent men of Van Meter reported a half-human, half-animal with enormous, smooth bat wings flying about. It let off a powerful stench. (laughs) That's also a Midwest thing to say. It let off a god-awful stench. (laughs) And it, it scared the daylights out of them because it moved at speeds no one had ever seen before. And it was shot a blind, a blinding light from its horned head. So I told you, this was even, you talking about four-winged dragons. This is just as bizarre. Shots were fired each time, first by implement dealer UG Griffith as it flew across building tops. The monster shrugged them off like a minor nuisance, and the next night, the town doctor and bank cashier, Peter Dunn, separately saw the creature and opened fire. Dunn even took a plaster cast of the, quote, great three-toed tracks. The following night, O.V. White reportedly uh, was a really good shot with a gun. He was awakened from his slumber in his quarters above the hardware store and shot at the creature that was perched atop a telephone pole. This awakened Sidney Gregg, who had been sleeping in a store nearby. Greg said the monster hopped like a kangaroo. Even the local high school teacher saw it and deemed it some sort of antediluvian monster. It seemed there's never a decent pitchfork uh, and torch gathering these days, but back then townspeople were not averse to taking up arms and forming a posse. So to the northwest side of Van Meter they charged, near the old brickyard where J.L. Pratt Jr., uh, heard a noise down by the abandoned coal mine. Uh, presently, the noise opened up again as though Satan and a regiment of imps were coming forth for battle. According what? to an article in, <laughs> according to an article in the Des Moines Daily News on October 3rd, 1903, the monster appeared joined by a smaller version of itself. In a brilliant light, they sailed away, only to return in the morning where the men had gathered to rid the earth of them with their powerful herd far and wide. The reception they received would have sunk Spanish fleets, but aside from unearthly noises and uh, peculiar uh, uh, odor, they did not seem to mind, but slowly descended the shaft of the old mine, never to be seen again. What? Yeah. Yeah. That that's next level, dude. That I mean, and and the amount of people involved in this story. Oh, so and so saw it and awoke the guy in the hardware store, and he went down to the coal mine, and you got half the town seeing this thing. You Van Meter, it. Iowa. Van Meter, Iowa. Three Might hours away. I hope it's I hope it's three hours away on the other side of Burlington because I don't want this thing coming near Omaha. It sounds like so the the likes of mortal men banded together to fight off a small contingent of devils and 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 demons. With pitchforks, no less. Either somebody slipped some LSD into the into the church casseroles after service, or exactly, or you know this this really happened. God only knows what they saw, but it hopped like a kangaroo. I mean that that's some Jersey Devil sound and talk right there. That's right, man. Those guys in Jersey are like, hey, it's the. <laughs> it's the Jersey Devil, eh? That's <laughs> <It's> a Canadian. <laughs> the description um, of the dragon kind of reminds me of a Saturday morning cartoon from way back. And it, uh, there, there was this dude, he was a lot like He-Man. And I, oh. I, I want to say it was Thundar. Thundar the Barbarian. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was Thundar the Barbarian, but, but he had like this dragon who could shoot like rays of, lasers or lights or something out of his head you're thinking oh the dragon guy you're thinking of black star oh is that what it was yes that's yeah. this is why you guys need me on your team all the time yeah i know i knew eddie. eddie to come up with the name but uh that that's what it reminds me of in, in my mind's eye as andy described that yep he wore he rode a dragon around that could shoot these like lasers out of its eyeballs right basically. yeah it's weird it's weird and and that's i mean that's I, as far as people listening in Omaha, that's pretty close to us. So, 
you know, again, like you said, Eddie, you think of rural Iowa, there's not many trees, there's not many forests for these things to, to hide unless they're in caves. And just, you know, just s- south of Iowa, you have Missouri. Missouri has a boatload of caves. So does Kentucky. Yep. Uh, yep. But Missouri has caves for these things to live in. And I don't know, it just makes you wonder, makes you makes you want to look up more when you're driving around at night. Might see a UFO, you might see a dragon. Yep. It's it's bonkers, especially, you know, when you get out into those pockets where there's no city, and it's all rural. And, um, you know, this can be for a future episode. In fact, I kind of want to do this as a special. Uh, a week ago, I went for a 28-mile walk. What? 28 miles. 28 you still got blisters miles. on your feet? <laughs> My little toes, the blisters have turned into calluses, and I need to basically shave these suckers off. I've got more callus than toe. Sorry, everybody. It's kind of gross. That's the same as a marathon plus two miles. I walked a marathon plus two miles. And um, it was something else. But you find yourself walking in the middle of Nebraska, which is basically nowhere. And it was uh, dark, right? It was dark because the, the sun went down at 430. And I didn't get back to my car. I had my pan- my walking companion, Ben. Shout out to, to Bennigan Crane. Uh, tearing things up, tearing the trail, tearing up the trail up with me. But well done, when, Ben. Oh, Ben, Ben crushed it. But when you are walking on a on a gravel trail in the middle of the state with no light, and all you have is a headlamp on, and you're looking off into the wilderness on either side of you, it uh, you know, talk about paranormal. There's some cool observations and, and other things that I made along the way. So I'll just do a quick retelling of that, maybe a different episode. But, um, but yeah, yeah. You, landscape. You're looking at landscape. You're like, man, so much stuff could be hiding, and we would never even know. Well, we wish we could have been with you on that, Eddie. We were invited, but uh, yeah, I just, I just knew right off the bat my body was not going to tolerate such shenanigans. But, oh, uh, it was not without a maybe sacrifice. Someday. Maybe yeah. someday. With all oh, you guys. Training, I'll bring you guys along. Yeah, I was I was willing to put my body to the test, but my schedule just didn't sync up for that particular week. But next time we're out, guys, whether it's, you know, we're out and about, we're going to be looking for UFOs, we're going to be looking for dragons, we're going to be looking for mountain lions, too, because that was my first <laughs> thought is, you know, walking through an empty field at night. Mountain, You know there's mountain lions out there. Oh, so. yeah, you got to bring something to protect you. Bear mace. <laughs> bear mace. What if you spray the mountain lion and it just shrugs it off? It's like, yeah, it's specifically for bears. I'm a lion. It, it made me stronger, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> no! Exactly. It just makes you taste better. It's like Taco Bell hot sauce. It makes you taste better when he it eats seasons you. It right. seasons us up for him. He talks like Snagglepuss from Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> You're stupid. Well, it made me stronger. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode, everybody. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we wish... We wish everyone a, a great Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving week, and we hope everyone stays healthy. Uh, as always, we want to give a, a mention to freesound.org for providing us with some audio and uh, sound bites and music for today's episode. And you can find us on inst- Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you have a suggestion for a local legend in your hometown, feel free to email us at uh, paranormaldads at gmail.com. We would love... Uh, to discuss, you know, a um, main mystery from your neck of the woods in a future episode. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, please email us your stories, and we'd love to share them. Uh, I said this last time, and I think we had a couple of requests, and now that I'm finally moved, I can actually honor those requests. But if you'd like a Paranormal Dad sticker, especially during these crazy times, um, we do have apparel and all those things. Give give us a little bit of time to get our my my and our legs underneath us from our two-thirds of us have moved. And yeah. so uh, with that, we'll get the store up and running as far as being able to take orders. But, yeah, stickers, those are easy to mail. So if you'd yeah, like we, a sticker, just message we, us. We've, we've seen them come in, so we do have the requests. So we might not have gotten back to you, but maybe I'll have to take up the torch and help you out, Eddie. You've got a lot going on, and we'll get those shipped out pre-Christmas. You can put it under the tree for your loved ones. Ooh, Merry Christmas. Here's a sticker. 
And if you live within a 23-mile radius, Eddie will walk to your house and slap it on your front door, right? <laughs> if it's more than 28, I'm not doing it. But if it's 28 or less, I will be there. Right. Just have a cup of coffee and maybe some new socks for me to wear. That's all I ask. I'm like Santa now. <laughs> Forget cookies and milk, coffee and socks. <laughs> all right, boys. This was a fun one. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Ciao. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Is, that, is it up there with a who's it, what's it, and a flux capacitor? I would right. almost say there isn't such a thing. How did you have uh, a bad nap? Well, I was watching the Nebraska game, and I woke up and saw the score. <laughs> like, oh. But I'm going to be a ghost. The, the, the person who moves into this house eventually after me, will it'll be thoroughly haunted <laughs> by me. Because I'm not moving. Not even after I die. <laughs> nope. Ooh. That's what they call the pro setup. Pat's going pro with that mic cover. Is that yeah? What is that? Is that like the foot of a yeti? It is. It, it is. It's it's the tail of a uh, walrus. Actually. It's a it's a yeti merkin. <laughs> and I have my mic propped up on a cushion that was surgically removed from a, a mini mouse chair that belonged to my daughter. Don't change, Pat. We love you for who you are. Don't change.